want to welcome each and every one of you. Uh, let us continue to uh, look into the heart. And, uh, you know, we have looked at uh, the Pharisees. We have looked at ours, our, our heart. And uh, then this morning we uh, learned how we can cleanse our body or our heart. And so now all is, this is done. Uh, you know, the first thing we got to do before we go teach someone about the Christ, about the, the gospel, our hearts got to be right with God. So now we're ready. The, uh, this afternoon, I want to talk to you about stepping out of your comfort zone. Now that, that everything is all right with our, within our hearts, let us step out of our comfort zone. I will be in uh, First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 through 18. Uh, uh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, 9 to 8, 9 to 10, I'll get it right, gee, man, <laughs> I, I want to go more verses and be here longer, but we, I will only go on two of those, uh, you know, faith begins at the end of your comfort zone, when everything is over, and you're hanging on for dear life, and there's nothing you can do, uh, with your body, with your life, with all the aches that we have. Uh, you know, at the end of that comfort zone is where we uh, start having faith and where we got to start. Uh, see, as I, we look at here at uh, First Chronicles, uh, as we look at the, the gist of this, we're looking at uh, this period here covers Second uh, Samuel and Second Kings at the same time. And, but the perspective is different here as we look at, at this here. This is a tutorial of the history of God. And as we look at that, continue all that, it's, you know, it presents the history of a dynasty of David, and he was in, in Judah. And so as we look at this uh, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, it covers the same periods as what we're going to look at. As we see here, 1 Chronicles 4, 9 and 10 says, now, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called him his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in, in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him everything that he requested. As we go through this, we all have a comfort zone, right? We all got this certain area where we feel it is, where, uh, you know, we are more comfortable with certain crowds that we hang around with, people that are like us. We usually gravitate towards them. So, you know, that's when we feel uh, the most comfortable. We're in, in, in an uh, area, in, in a zone that makes us feel like, we're with friends. And, uh, but then sometimes when we get out of, out of our comfort zone and we start going, uh, meeting somebody else or doing other things, sometimes uh, at least I become a little nervous. Is I start talking too much or I don't talk or just things like that happen. Uh, uh, that and Ama does, doesn't understand why I do that. He's, uh, he says, she says that I, I can make friends anywhere that we are at, but I become nervous, so I start talking a lot or just 
presenting the gospel, doing those things. But that's how we feel in our zone. See, there, there's certain areas in a comfort zone. There's the, the most intimate is, intimately is usually the family and the very close friends. And then comes the other boundary where we just keep certain people at bay. And then there's the other zone where really we don't want to have anything to do with those people because we don't feel comfortable at all. You know, sometimes all we want to do is shake hands with someone and introduce ourselves, and that's as far as we want to take it. But if you're with me, like me, man, you're going to get smothered all over because I'm going to hug you even if you feel like this guy here is, you, you know, you just don't want to be hugged. But, you know, that's the love that uh, how I'm a hugging person, so that's what we do. That's how I do it. See, I found this that this morning, and I was reading this. I said, has caused a decrease in the release of cortisol, which is a stress hormone, and other researches indicate that hugs decrease the blood pressure and heart rate in stressful situations. And that's why if you don't like hugs, hey, uh, we want to uh, hug you and give you more peace in your life. So as we look at this here, at the boundaries that we have, when there's a uh, comfort in our living, then it invades that our spiritual life. I have found it in my life. And there, it, it should be a warning. There should be warning bells telling us that our, it's invading our spiritual life. Uh, when we're in comfortable uh, living, invades spiritual life, it usually causes trouble in, in life. So when, uh, when you become satisfied with your service to the Lord, then usually problems will follow. And, uh, you know, sometimes when we become complacent as to what we're doing, uh, when everything is going good, especially in our prayer life and our spiritual progress that we have in our lives, that's when there's, there should be bell, uh, bells uh, warning us that there's something going on. Say sometimes our lives just stagnate like this pond that is here that I'm showing here. And, you know, when you start stagnating in your life, you start dying. And, you know, you've been to ponds that are, are uh, vibrant, that they have fish, and then they become like this. And all of a sudden, uh, they, there's no, we can't even get in there and drink that water. So that's how our spiritual life works. We become stagnant. But, you know, we all need to move out of our comfort zone especially the comfort of our chairs here, the comfort of our chairs at home, and go tell someone or be a, a Christ to someone and tell them about the, the, the gospel. And your life must be like a flowing river, you know, full, you know, it's going, and you can see the, the uh, water rushing in, and that should be our spirit coming out to tell someone about Jesus Christ or about the gospel. See, uh, Paul always remained unsatisfied, and he wanted to reach for more. As we look at, at uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 and 14, it says, Not that I have already attained or already perfected, but I press on that I may lay a hold of that which Jesus Christ has also laid a hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing that I do, I do not count myself uh, have apprehended. One thing I do is forgetting those things that lie behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead. Sometimes we're carrying a jumbo bag of problems in our back. 
And we think this is, you know, we are looking back at the promise that are, are just past us. But he says, you know, I haven't gotten there. I'm not there yet, but I'm waiting for Christ. And then he says, I, you know, I'm, I'm not there yet, but I forget what happened. And that's already in the past. Whenever we, we uh, Alma and I have a, a, a loud discussion, we don't have arguments anymore. We have loud discussions. And then we look back to it, and I said, hey, that's in the past. And she said, oh, how quickly can you forget? I said, that's in the past. Let's not look at that there. So, you know, let's not keep on looking, and let's not keep on carrying that bag, the jumbo bag in our bags full of all the problems that we've been through. And what do we do is we look forward, we stretch hard towards the, the, the finish line as where we, when we are running in a marathon. I press towards the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ. That's where we're going to be at once we clean our hearts and we continue on with our lives here. We are waiting for that upward call that we all have been called to do in this life is want to be wonderful once we get there. We just sing some songs about that. It's, you know, clean our hearts, be with us, because it's worth it when we get to heaven. And there's a dangerous church comfort zone also as we look at, at all these lives that we're looking at. Many individuals live in a spiritual comfort zone that, uh, you know, continues on. But Sometimes the churches do the same thing. Uh, when attendance is up, when everything is going good, the offering is good, uh, we are tempted to back off and just take it easy. That's how we do, do, do our lives. We sit there, we, we come every Sunday, we do the performance model, and we sit there and everything is going all right, the singing is all right. But then uh, we may not invite others uh, to join us as we should. You know, I always ask everybody, always invite five, go and pick up one. You, you will make sure that one is here. And, you know, th that hunger for us to uh, preach the word, to teach the word, to tell others about Christ is not there because we're in this comfort zone. We are comfortable in where we are. We're not telling anybody uh, to invite them over to, to services on Sunday or Wednesday, whenever we meet. But... When the church family here becomes complacent, then a church begins to die. And that's one of the things that makes me the sad and thing that I want to prevent. And, and that's things that church closing down uh, because, you know, everything's going vibrant. Everything is going all right. Uh, you know, leadership is doing good. The members are doing good. And, and everybody is, seems to be in the same spirit and going towards the same goal. And then we start dying. Why? It might, not, it might not be tomorrow, it might not be next year, but it takes years for the, that little church to die. It, be, it begins when, uh, to die when we all become in that spiritual zone and that spiritual level and the growth that uh, is our comfort zone and we are satisfied with what's going on. You know, and then all of a sudden we become, uh, you know, 20, 30 years later, and now it has dwindled down to maybe 10, maybe 5, and things like that. So how do we move out of the comfort zone as a church, as individuals? As, as we are, are we complacent? 
The question is, are we complacent at this point in our life? Everything is going good. You know, we, we have the whole family here. Everything is all right. But then in a few years, this is what we see in, in churches. Is that what's going to happen? What happened to Ephesus? Where is the, the, the church in Ephesus? It's all those things. Is The church is a living organism, and we must continue on doing the things that brought us here, doing the basics. Uh, so as we look at Jabez and his personality, it says now, uh, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers and his mother called his name Jabez and saying, because I bore him in pain. I mean, that, that, here's three things that we need to observe when we read these two verses is, one, it reveals Jabez's character. Your uh, actions will reveal your character. Uh, his desire uh, to be, rise above all the ordinary things that were going on in his life, in the things that are ordinary in our lives, and his walk with God. These are the three things that I got out of these uh, two verses. You know, before Bruce Wilkinson wrote that prayer of Jabez, uh, and I still got that book, uh, is nobody knew uh, about Jabez. See, if I tell you go to First Chronicles in the Bible, uh, you're going to have a hard time. Usually I have to go to the index and find it because, uh, you know, I can't find it there. So nobody had ever heard of Jabez at that time. It is hidden within a list of genealogies in the Old Testament. And Jabez is a golden nugget inside of there as we're reading through all that. Uh, I don't know if you have ever read the, the Bible from cover to cover. But when we do it is we get to these genealogies, these things in Chronicles, and we just read by because sometimes all this uh, Jabez is, is, uh, is the gene genealogy of Israel. There's a lot of collections and statements of begets. And then, uh, you know, uh, there's some, a few notable persons like David in, in this here. But in, from uh, chapter 1 through chapter 4, verse 8, this is, we just came over it and we continue on. I don't know if that happens to you, but it does happen to me. So as we struggle to read these uh, portions of, of God's word and we just pass it, you know, the first nine chapters of this Chronicles here, as we look at them, is a portion uh, that most Christians pass over all this. And of course, it consists of uh, a list of names. And some of them are very difficult to pronounce. In Spanish or English, they're hard to pronounce. Uh, you know, and this, it doesn't hold our interest. I don't know if you ever pick up a, a, a book and you start reading it, whichever book it is, and if you don't understand it, you just skim through it and you don't pay attention to what's going on through there. But, you know, it appears here, as we look at these verses here, is Jabez was not happy, was not content. Uh, to be like everyone else in his life. Uh, there are few people that rise among, uh, from the crowd and get out. One of the things that I, I always look at this is, you know, I've told you I grew up in government homes. We were in welfare. We didn't have uh, uh, food at the end of the month. And most of the people in that environment stay in that environment. Very few people get out from that. And that's one of the things that uh, you know, he wants to rise above the, the, the crowd, but most of us get uh, happy, get content with living like everyone else around us. 
and we just want to be like Michael uh, uh, Jordan. We want to be like uh, Roger Staubach. See, you can tell I'm old, okay? I'm going through all those names back there. Uh, or, you know, sometimes we just want our kids to look just like the world. I mean, what is... Uh, if my daughter or my son look different than the, the rest of the school, man, they, they're going to suffer through all that. And we, we see it on TV. We see it at the mall. You know, sometimes uh, when I look at this, I've been on strike for three years on uh, watching television. But when I look back there, uh, you know, sometimes we say, well, we, we don't allow our kids to uh, hang around with these people. But the TV is coming into our homes and showing all those things that sometimes they don't need to be watching. Not that, you know, I, I don't want you to quit watching TV like I did, but those are the things that I have observed. Or sometimes we go to the malls and see what's going on. We should never be satisfied like everyone else. Never in our lives. Uh, you know, I put that, I love golf. So, you know, guess what? We got to dress all just looking the same. And, and that's how, how we want to be just like the world, what they do and the things that they do. Uh, but the thing here is that we're a chosen generation. We're a royal priesthood. But we should stand above the crowd. Uh, you know, as we're called out of the world, we're supposed to be setting the pace. People are supposed to be looking at a church and saying, Man, those people are on fire there. Let's go see what's going on with them. Let's, we're, they're setting the pace, all these things going on, and they'll show up here. You know, if, if somebody gets their, themselves in fire, people will walk, come and watch them burn. Won't it be wonderful that people just watch you burn and come in here and get caught in all the, the, with the Holy Spirit and things going on there? We're setting the pace. We need to be different in these things because the Lord has done work in our hearts and in our lives, and everything has been uh, in our hearts at this point. Now, 10 years from now, after you die, will people remember you for the work that you did in the kingdom? How will you be remembered? That contribution that you made to the kingdom. Uh, you know, you had Bible studies. You helped someone at the Bible studies. Or you just sat next to someone and just cried with them. See, sometimes all we need is a shoulder to cry and a hug. And we don't have to say anything. There's, there's a story about two, two uh, little boys and. He comes in, he's got grease all over his hands and on, on his face, and he, his eyes are red. And the mom sees him and she says, uh, what happened? What's wrong with you? Why do you have all that grease on, on, on your body? And he says, well, Timmy uh, fell off the bike and, and broke the chain. And so I tried to help him. He says, you don't know anything about bikes. How would you help him? He says, well... I just sat down with him and cried. See, those are the little things that we got to do when somebody just needs our help. You know, uh, just be there for them. Just a hug. You, you don't even have to say anything. The hug will do uh, wonders for us. God has called us, and he gave us an individual gift. Each and every one of you and I have a different gift. I can do certain things that you can but you can do certain things that I can do. Um, you know, I can speak in tongues. 
which is Spanish and English. And so, you know, you can do that. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 26, but I'll just be in, on verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each for the profit of all. All of us are being profited because this, the Holy Spirit has given us each a manifestation of it and has given us a talent that we can use to cheer others up as we continue through life. And uh, his problem in life in Jabez, his mother named him Jabez. This uh, meaning here, it, it, it means that the son of my sorrows, it means pain, it means, means affliction, uh, and he will cause pain. Can you imagine having your name? You're a pain. Can you imagine what the kids would do with would have done with you in, in the uh, recreation hall or in, in just in recess? You're a pain. Uh, you know, and he grew up with this. And you know, just because he had this poor start in life here, because he, his mother called him that. As I look at this, uh, in the first place here. His mother named him. He doesn't mention anything about the father. In that ancient society, it was very unusual for the mother to uh, name the child. So it doesn't tell us anything about, about his father, where he was. But that gives us, uh, you know, uh, single mothers or single fathers. It gives us an advantage or it gives us that, uh, uh, I want to say, the ability for us to triumph in this world. That we will come ahead. Usually the father named the child. And she says, because I bore him in pain. His mother saw that it was a miserable pain. Uh, I don't know what it's like to have a baby, but I think it's a little bit harder than when I get a headache, right? You all can agree with that. But you know, when I'm having that headache, oh, don't tell me about that. Uh, one time I had kidney stones and I go to the hospital and the nurse said, oh, it's okay. Can you imagine if, if you were having a child? And I said, I don't care what's going on with the child. I know I'm hurting right now. And you know, but you know, that's a pain that we go through our lives. But it doesn't have to be that way, just like Jabez. Uh, you can always rise above your name. You can always arise above the consequences that go into life. See, this power that we have, it comes through the Holy Spirit. And he takes residence when you are baptized, after you are baptized. And you can break free from this chain, from the past. You can just put it to the side. I have. And I don't know how I made it to 18 years old. So there's so many things that you, you grow up with and, you know, you live in filth and all those things. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me uh, was not in vain, but I labor more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which is within me. The grace of God, their unmerited favor. You, he did not deserve uh, to die for you and for me. But he did it. See, here's uh, the, the, the thing about this. that in, in, We do not understand what a covenant is. You know, back then in that society, God made a covenant with his son that he would come onto this earth. Back then, a covenant, we call it a contract now. But, you know, you see football players all breaking their, their contracts. Back then, is they would 
sign up a, a contract or a covenant, and they would kill an animal, part it in two, and the, the one making the covenant would walk in between them, and then he would say, may this happen to me if I don't uh, keep this covenant. That's what, what they did. And you know what? Jesus Christ is a covenant. At the end, when they would fulfill their contract, they would get the contract and nail it in a tree. Jesus Christ, what did he do? He was nailed at the cross because he was fulfilled. The covenant was fulfilled. And we are the beneficiaries of that covenant. Isn't that amazing that sometimes we don't look at that contract that he made, that he will save you and me, and that the grace of God is what's covering us. That unmerited favor that we did not deserve for him to die for us. And, you know, this is all we can transform into what he wants us to be. We just got to allow the Holy Spirit and God to make us into what we are supposed to be what we're meant to be. And we can raise from our past. We can raise from about any circumstances that go in our life. And, and his performance in life, the Bible says that he was more honorable than his brothers or his brethren. Uh, he was worthy of honor more than the rest of his family. Uh, and he decided that he could do better. Even though he was named a pain, he's, he could raise from all these things. You know, he's not remembered for being a great leader, a great prophet, or a preacher. What he's remembered for, that he was the man of prayer. He prayed at that time. And, you know, how are we known as being a man or a woman of prayer, a child of prayer? What do we do with that? Uh, see, we don't have to be like everyone else in, in this life. First Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, Or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever you're doing, don't worry about what the brethren are saying. You just go do it because you want to do glorify God with whatever you do in your life. So he refuses to be forced into anyone's mold. Sometimes we do that. We want to be forced into certain mold. Uh, but... You know, as we look at his life, he determined to live for the Lord. Are you living for the Lord? Are you living to see, like we see this morning, that somebody tells us that we did a real good, good job? Not everyone else did at this time. Romans 12, 1 and 2 is one of the ones that we know that we can, can quote. It says, Beseech therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing of your minds that you may prove what it is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. As we look at this here, you know, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's the living sacrifice that Christ did for you and for me. We present that sacrifice. We fulfill that uh, covenant and we're supposed to do it with sacrifice, separated from the world, and all this is acceptable to God. And that is your reasonable service. 
are you trying to find what is the service that I do? You know, we get asked that question. How did you find your uh, ministry? How did you do that? Well, he's telling you right there, just, you know, be a living sacrifice to someone. Uh, be holy, be acceptable, and that's your reasonable service. And then it says here, do not be conformed. Do not be pressed down in, in this, uh, to this world. Don't act like the world. Be different. You are different. You are royal uh, uh, family. You're, you're in all this. You're royalty. And then he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The transformation is when that worm turns into a beautiful butterfly. And, you know, we enjoy butterflies. That's the metaphors that, that he's talking about here. But how do I get transformed there, he says, by the renewing of your mind? How do we get renewed? Through the scriptures. That's how we renew our minds, and this will prove uh, what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. See, sometimes we also ask, what is the will of God for me? Have you ever asked that? What am I supposed to be doing? He's telling us right here in these two verses what we're supposed to be doing. Jabez and, and his prayer, and he said, and Jabez called to the God of Israel saying, all that you will bless me indeed and enlarge my territory or enlarge my coast. You know, indeed, bless me and expand my area, expand my territory. He's asking them to get more. Jabez prayed, you know, as he prays, it's twofold. First, the Lord fulfilled upon his life. He wants his life be fulfilled by the blessings from God. Uh, second, his boundaries to be extended. And then Jabez was not satisfied with the existing conditions that were there at that time, especially with his brethren. Uh, he asked God for the best. Uh, God blessings to be in his life, upon his life. Who doesn't want that same thing today? All the blessings that we can get. But one of the things that, that we do with our lives, you know, God, we open our hands and we pray, God bless me, and all the blessings come into, into your hand. And then all of a sudden, once we have those blessings, we close our hand. And there's more blessings coming in, but they cannot get in there because you got your fist closed. In order for the blessings to work, you got to open it. Open your hand and give to someone. Bless someone else. And guess what? More blessings come into our life. And that's, you know... We want those blessings in our lives. You know, we look for all the, the richest blessings upon our lives. And James tells us here in 4.3, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you might spend it in your own pleasures. You know, we, we want whatever. Lord, give me another set of golf clubs. Or God, Lord, let me work a little bit harder so I can buy a fishing boat so I can take my friends. You know when, when's the happiest time for a boat owner? When they sell it. Because, you know, you have to pay all those things that go with it. You know, refuse to dwell in your comfort zone. And that's what I encourage you. And I want to edify you that you refuse to get out, get out of your comfort zone. As long as we're satisfied where we are in, in our lives, we're going to be limited with the outreach that we do in his kingdom. Uh, when we move out of our comfort zones and, uh, you know, our, he can extend our borders, our reach uh, into somebody else's life, into uh, other areas, into other neighborhoods. Give us a greater influence into the world. Have you ever moved uh, neighborhoods 
or cities where you transform into their living the way they are? Or did you inject them with truth? Who is influencing who? As we look at this, we have to be greater influence in the world. Now, some of us think we have a PhD in Bible. Uh, you know, I, I went to some seminary school, and, uh, you know, I didn't get the degree, but it, m- most people think, hey, man, I don't understand. What if they ask me this, and what if they ask me that? And we start saying the things that probably will never happen. And then he says, he chose fishermen, tax collectors, not Pharisees. All that, they were fishermen. They were tax collectors. He didn't choose the, the, the ones that knew the scriptures. He's got you here for a purpose and for a reason. What is the difference on, on that thing? You know, sometimes, Michael, I can't do what you do. Yancy, I can't do what you do. Man, you can talk to people. We do all those things. But here's the deal. I can do Yes, you can. You know, you remember the woman at the well? What is the thing that she did? She went to her son and she said, come and see. And they came. And that's all she did. And this was a woman in that society. He told them to come and see. They find out that he was Christ, the son of the living God. He asked for God's blessing and he wanted his borders to be expanded. Uh, He wanted to have more influence in the world as he went there. Uh, He was not content with all that he was dwelling in his comfort zone. He wanted to extend himself out. As Christians, we must not be satisfied with the status quo that is going on in our lives within the church. See, God wants us to get out of our comfort zone and reach the lost. Like I said yesterday, this morning, in this art, we're going through the river of faith going down. There's so many things that we can do. We gotta get out of that boat and go save some. what, are, what is your excuse? I'm too old? Pray for us. Pray for those who are in, in, in the arena fighting. You can do that. It's, uh, we need your prayers. We need, uh, especially the ones on the arena needed the most because they get attacked the most. Uh, I'm too young. Hey, I promise you, come with us. We'll show you the ropes. We've got plenty of people that are experienced. They will show you how, how to do this. I promise you we will not throw you into the woods. We will help you. We'll be alongside with you, and you will learn. Uh, I don't know enough. Let's sit down and study the word. Let's look at, see how we can expound on what you need to know. And the, the, the most powerful thing that you can know is that Jesus Christ came from heaven. He walked amongst us. He went to the cross. He expired there. His blood was what covered us. He went to the tomb, and three days later, he arose. That is the gospel. That is what we got to know here. Is, uh, you, if you know those things, uh, you will know that spreading the gospel is not, uh, it's a command, not an option for us to do it. 
you know, you can say whatever you want. You know, he told his disciples, go and teach all the world. He said, oh, but he was in the Old Testament. He was telling those, his disciples, that doesn't apply for me. So what are we going to do with uh, Timothy? Jabez prayed for power. Asked him to, uh, you know, put everything, his hand on everything that he did in his life. Jabez wanted the power of God to be in him so that he could expand his territory. Uh, Sometimes is why is it that some people seem to have God in their lives? Why you you meet him, you can just tell that they're Christians. You can just tell by their actions and their love. If you're with them, you know, for a few days, you know by the time you leave, they love you, and they continue praying for you, and they you know send you texts or uh, call you and all those things. That's you know, God is in their life. And that's what I want to be like, like somebody, you know, as we, as, as we read uh, the story of Paul, he was weak in body, he was detestable in appearance because he rose in Second Corinthians chapter 10, 10 verse 10. For the letters say, they say are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and spe- speech is contemptible. See, but he became the powerhouse for God. There's still hope for me and you. God wants us to use everything for his glory. 2 Timothy uh, 2 verse 2, as I, I was saying before, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit this to faithful men who will be able to preach others also. From Paul to Timothy, somewhere throughout the years, it got to me. Somebody got out of the, out of the comfort of their zone, uh, comfort of their uh, chairs, their couches, and they came to me, and they committed this word to me. And now I'm standing here because one person cared, one couple cared how I was doing. See, when is the best time to plant a tree? Well, 20 years ago, right? Because right now it would be full. It will be bearing fruit or shade. And so there begs the second question, when is the best time to plant a tree? It's today because this will be 20 years later, they will be full grown. We'll probably be gone from here. But the church can continue. I love to hear kids crying wherever I go preach because that's music to my ears because I know the church will continue on. And it doesn't bother me. I just speak a little bit louder when they're crying. So that's, that's the thing about it. They will be able to teach others also. Uh, Jabez prayed for protection. He continues this request to stay away from evil, to stay away from sin. Because he says that uh, he knew that when sin comes into our lives, trouble soon will, will follow, right? I mean... Uh, you have seen people that were here five years ago and now they're gone and man they're living a life that they just will not listen they just don't 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 even want to talk to us they avoid us psalm 66 18 tells us if i I regard iniquity in my heart the lord will not hear let's read that again if i regard iniquity if i regard sin in my heart, the Lord, the Lord will not hear. Is there a reason why my prayers don't get answered? Is, it, is there something that I got still under lock and key? 
What is it going on there? Jabez asked the Lord to help him to live for God. This should be the attitude that every child of God should have. Psalm 10, uh, 101, 3 says, I will set no wicked things before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. What do we do? Do we let that wickedness, that no good for nothing things in our lives cleave unto our hearts? What do we do with this thing? It says, don't, what did Jesus Christ do when he was uh, being tempted by Satan? Everything that he answered was with scriptures. We must memorize these scriptures. What do we do? Just memorize the scriptures. These worthless things that's good for nothing, those things that we put in our lives, in our hearts, that's what it's, He's not answering our uh, prayers. And Jabez and his provisions, what did he get in verse, the part B of verse 10 says, that you hand be, be with me, that you, would not, that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. Remember, his name is pain. He says, I want, so what did God do? He granted him what he requested. He will answer our prayers. He's got heard heard uh, Jabez's prayer and he answered and he gave him all the things that he prayed for. He might not give them to you of what you're praying for today or tomorrow, but if you look five years from now and you look back, you say, wow, I was praying for that. If God would give me the lottery right now, which I don't buy tickets, that's why I don't win. Uh, you know, I don't know what I would do with all that money. I might disappear from preaching the word. I don't know. What, what things would do when, when money enters my life. He gave him all the things he prayed for. So why did the Lord do this? He honors prayers, then honor him. That's really what he wants. And you know, obedience and submission are two words that have become a curse word in this world. That obedience, that it's honored. And James 4, 20, James 4, chapter 2, or verse 2 and 3 says, You lust and do not have, you murder and covet, cannot have time, you fight wars. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. And then I read this before. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it in your pleasures. Whatever I want to accumulate is it to help others or is it to benefit myself. What are we doing with that now? So in conclusion here, as we look at this, we can learn from Jabez. Here, are we willing to move out of our comfort zone? Now that we have our clean hearts, what are we doing? The Lord causes uh, and will hear our prayers. He will give us the things that we seek in life. He wants to do this so bad, but sometimes we are being uh, complacent. We are guilty of being complacent, just going through the motions. So are you satisfied with the growth of the church? Are you satisfied with the spiritual level of the church? Are you satisfied with the outreach of the church? You know, there's, there's a church growth that we got to go through in, 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 in this life. What's keeping you from leading change? You lead the change. What's keeping you from doing it? So, you know, what about your own life? Are you growing like you should? Are you satisfied where you are right now? You know, everything where you are, are you serving God? Is he being glorified? There, is there a spiritual transformation in your life? 
Have you seen where you were, where you are right now, and where you should be? See, we, I don't look at people as to who they are or what they do. I look at people as what they could be with the help of God. And that's what is going to get us through all that. See, and God granted him everything that he, that he requested. We need to plug ourselves into the power of prayer, just like Jabez was doing it here. What about your own life? You know, start with a commitment. That's where we have the most problem is the commitment. Relationships will transform your life with Christ. Like I said this morning, he was into relationships. You must hear. You must believe. You must repent. You must confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And you must be baptized for the remission of your sins. So as we do this, it's where uh, the commitment starts. This is where transformation happens. So at the end... Let us be faithful till the end. Won't it be wonderful that when we're in heaven, at least I imagine being across you and we're singing praises to the Lord. It would be wonderful to see all that. I don't know how it's been. You know, we don't get many descriptions of that. But I pray that each and every one of you, that we're there together. So we are now living the comfort zone. We have cleaned our hearts. We're living that comfort zone. And the church has left the building. Let's go and do the work of the Lord. I don't know where your heart is, but if there's any need, would you please come as we stand and sing?